the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the High Line. Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Red and Guest. I have a very special segment of Know Thy Enemy to preview the 4th of July game against Austin FC. I have brought in color commentator for Austin FC and former MLS player Michael LaHood. Mike, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing well, especially after last night's result. I'm definitely doing well. Um, I'm mostly exhausted from the ups and downs of the game and, and really how the game finished it, it was it was taxing can't imagine how the players feel yeah so michael let's let's start with that at the risk of turning this into a var conversation <laughs> exclusively um your yeah. let, let's go with your, your thoughts on the performance and dealing with the adversity that verde faced last night well going into that match austin fc were without two of their starters maxi ruti and julio cascante who have kind of been dealing with a couple health issues so, you know, getting some much needed rest to prepare for the games ahead. And entering Johan Romagna and Nick Lima getting back in and also Felipe. So there was a bit of rejigging of the lineup. And whenever you have a young center back who's been out for about six months in Romagna, being back in the heart of the team on the road, that's, that's always going to be a, a tough ask. But I thought Austin FC, they did just enough for uh, throughout 90 minutes. The first half, I thought Charlotte probably had the better of the chances. Uh, there, there wasn't really much between the two teams, but Charlotte was throwing a lot of numbers forward. And Austin defended for their lives at times. And, and Danny Hooson, uh, who was starting his first MLS start of 2022, he was a bright spot. I was impressed from him coming off the goal he had against FC Dallas. He looked more like the Danny Hooson of old that we saw in San Jose that forced the move to Austin. Mm-hmm. Great stuff there. Um, You know, Michael, I've been pleasantly surprised and pleasantly impressed with Austin. We knew that they were going to be better. Josh yeah. Wolf is a very good coach. He, I'm sure, learned so many things last year with the failures of last season. And then even just having the guys together, more familiar with the system, it was going to be better. But I look at the last couple of results, you know, down a man, get the result in Montreal, and then you have that crazy Copa Tejas game. You know, does it feel like this team's building a little bit of sandpaper, a little bit of resilience, where maybe last year, particularly in games at home, that just wasn't there or hadn't been built yet? I think the word that I think of when I think of this team is responsibility. There are more players taking responsibility over this team. It's it's not just the, the coach or the philosophy and just players getting buy-in. The players are believing in something. This is a unified front. And I look at last night. One of the youngest players on the team steps up, takes responsibility over a big moment. And what a goal it was from Danny Pereira. Coming off a red card against Montreal, Josh Wolf and his staff, they asked him to respond. His teammates were asking him to respond in a positive way. And there is no better way to respond as a player than hitting the game-winning goal and a goal in that style, the fashion, putting it off the bar in the back of the net to give him three points. Excellent stuff from him. And when I look at the body of work as a whole, 
This team, they knew they had to react after the expansion season they had last year. Expansion years always comes with the highs and lows. And in MLS, it's even more so felt because <laughs> teams teams are ruthless in this league mm-hmm. when you're an expansion team. Teams will go after you. And in Colorado, <laughs> hey, the Rapids yep. <laughs> the Rapids definitely had our number in that in that last game. Maybe not when this when this series started mm-hmm. in April, but the emphatic loss that Austin FC suffered at the hands of Colorado is something that every Austin FC player they almost kept score. They're almost keeping receipts mm-hmm. from last year. And I've loved that from the technical staff, Claudia Reyna and his staff, they went and got MLS veterans. I think that's the biggest difference from this year to last year is MLS veterans are in the team. Maxi Rucci is contributing, not just with goals, but also defensively. I think Felipe has been a, a bolstered the locker room. What you don't see on the field, you definitely feel in the locker room at the training facility. And Ethan Finley is given quality minutes coming off the benches of late, but also starting at the start of the year. So this is a well-balanced team compared to last year. Mm -hmm. You mentioned responsibility and receipts. One player that has to come to mind for me would be Diego Fagundes. It's been wonderful just as a neutral and MLS head, Michael, to just see him kind of have a second half resurgence in his career coming over from New England. And it almost feels like he is for Austin what I feel like every single new pickup the Rapids have had coming in a little bit of a bad taste at their last cup, wanting to prove something mm. and elevating their level. He's been as good for me as he was last season. And I would say even he's been better. He's a different player than what I thought he was capable of when he's with New England. How important is he to this team? What What is his potential with this team this season? He is one of the most unsung heroes throughout Major League Soccer. And I know that the Colorado Rapids last season had a bunch of unsung heroes, and I'm always for the unsung hero. Because at my best, I felt like I was an unsung hero when I played in the league. At my worst, we'll talk about that in the other podcast. Um, but when I watched Diego Fagundes, what a lot of people don't understand about this guy is, is he's one of the hardest working players that you'll find on this team. Last night against Charlotte, from minute zero to minute 90, he was tracking back to make tackles. There are a few half chances that Charlotte FC had. They were getting towards our box, and they have some sharpshooters on their team in Schwederski and a couple other players. And he was the one running from their box, running 60, 70 yards to make a tackle and then lead another counterattack. And that's so invaluable through the course of a season, especially when you're on the road. What I really love about him is his just adaptability, and he's a utility guy. In New England, he was typically a winger. Under Brad Friedel, he started playing more as an attacking mid, sometimes false nine. But I really think he's found a home on that left-hand side of the field. A lot of his productivity has come on that left. And that chemistry that he has with Sebastian Driussi, it's just that it's just a joy to watch. I mean, that combination they had when they played against LAFC, mm-hmm. Driussi with the Rabona, Fagundes with the, the assist. We were watching that game at home. And I think I spilled my popcorn for <laughs> <laughs> myself. Probably a little bit of beer, too. Because yeah. uh, you definitely got to watch games with beer. Yeah, um, you are a perfect guest, Michael, uh, for, for providing very good segues. I was going to ask about <laughs> Sebastian Juissi, who has not yet played against the yeah. Colorado Rapids. He has not, He did not play in the three games. And, you know, looking at Austin last year from a distance, you know, I thought, okay, 
I like the head coach. I like some of the moves that they've made. You know, Alexander Ring, I would say, is the Verde equivalent of Jack Price. Um, But then who's going to score the goals? And if that player doesn't emerge, are they going to sign somebody? And we saw certainly what Jerusi was capable of, but I feel like he's taken it to another level. If I had to vote right now for uh, uh, MLS for the All-Star game, he's definitely on there. He's absolutely best 11. I think he's in the conversation possibly for MVP how good has he been in his second season and, you know, how much of this is, uh, you know, how important is he to this team, you know, given David Goss theorem and just being more settled in with the squad? I think the best thing that happened to Sebastian is that he came last year and had that half season to get acclimated to Major League Soccer. The big thing that a lot of designated players don't understand when they come to MLS is the travel. You're playing in different environments, especially in the Western Conference. I think the West is, is the last couple of years have been a lot harder than the East, mm-hmm. but somehow the East tends to get to MLS Cup finals and surprise everyone, <laughs> as we saw last year, because I think the Western Conference, they all beat up on each other before they get to the final. You're playing in altitude. You're playing in just, I mean, gosh, hot weather, depending on what time of year you're playing in the rain. It's just a variety of things that you don't get in the East. You'll mm-hmm. get a little bit, you'll get heat. But outside of that, it's yeah. kind of similar topography. Sebastian has really grown leadership-wise. Last year, Josh Wolf told us that they, they not just got an excellent soccer player, they have a leader. And I got a glimpse of that when they played LA Galaxy. Alex Ring was out. Sebastian Giusi takes the armband. And he leads the team to a surprise victory on national TV against the Galaxy. And then this year, what I love about him is he now has support. We knew that Diego Fagundes was going to produce, but his relationship with Max Ruti has been incredible. They are two of, I think stats-wise, they're I think somewhere in the top 10 or 15 in the league in terms of tackles. And they're attackers. Mm-hmm. And that's because they, they, they're very good at pressing. They initiate the press for Austin FC, whether it's a high line, mid block, even in a low block. They are the ones who are leading defensively for this team. And, and you don't see that too often. Around the league, you'll see that from teams that press a lot, like New York Red Bull, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, but that's been a shift for the Verde and Black to have Maxi Ruti and him being the initiators defensively. But you can't talk about this guy without talking about his quality on the ball. What I mean, it depends what type of where do you want him to play. It depends on what the game needs. If you need a striker, he can play as a second striker. If you need a playmaker, he can drop and and start pinging balls in behind. If you need a guy to to run someone down, lower his body, lower his shoulder, and and deck someone. I mean, he's physically gifted. He's also very strong. He stands at five eleven, and I mean, he's he's a unit. I've stand I stood next to him, and I'm not a small guy. I definitely I feel like Diego Fagun has a size standing next to Sebastian Driussi. So he he has been the most important piece to this team in so many ways, especially offensively. And they will need him to be just as good, if not better, in the second half of the season if they want to not just make the playoffs, but make some noise in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, one of the the memes that's kind of gone around the Denver sports landscape the last couple of weeks have been all the small things. It kind of became the fight song, if you will, of the <laughs> avalanches. They made the run to the MLS Cup. But, you know, the 
the Denver soccer space has kind of been diagnosing what's wrong with the Rapids. And, you know, it's been a yeah. little bit of Giassi's artists, you know, still trying to get acclimated to the team. There's been injuries that have certainly hampered them. The midfield was a mess against Portland without Jack Price. And so it's not really, it's not one big thing. It's all the small things. You know, you look at why Denver won't be hosting the World Cup. It was a lot of small things. So I guess on, on that theme, was it just simply the team coming back together and then trying to do the same things they were doing last year? Or is it, 10% Josh Wolf being better, 10% Jerissi being better, or just the simple fact that it's not an expansion season and the team can exhale a little bit. You know, how do you go from, you know, so many things going wrong last year to mm-hmm. now certainly in the conversation for hosting a home playoff game? I think it's the fact that they actually kept a big portion of the same guys from last year. This isn't just a brand new team. There's only a couple pieces added to this team from last season. And Typically, when you when you don't have a good expansion year, you'll see a lot of clubs just blow it up and start brand new. FC Cincinnati has done that. Inter Miami has done that. So many teams do that. And for some, that is a recipe for success. But I, I actually like what Padrena has done of saying, hey, no, there are fine margins, margins from last year where we got the details wrong. Mm-hmm. And details, this is a game of details at the highest level. And you see that for the Colorado Rapids this year. Last season, they were fine-tuned on details when it counted, and they got results wherever they went. This season, some of the details have kind of gone by the wayside, and that, that's the difference between where they were last year and where they are this year. For Austin FC, it's a psychological boost, I think, of just getting players that know this league, getting players that instill a sense of belief that have come from winning organizations in their, their career, uh, some of the guys, Maxi Ruti has won something, U.S. Open Cup with FC Dallas in this league. Um, he's won Canadian championships with Montreal. Ethan Finley has played an MLS Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felipe has won the Supporter Shield. That Those are the experiences that help turn the tide of an organization and a locker room. And it starts from the ground and works its way up. And I think you see LAFC making the splashes. You see so many movement. And I think they could potentially be one piece away should they get another player. And we don't have any insight into this stuff. Um, or else if, if we did, this would be exclusive news. <laughs> <laughs> so just to preface that. But I think they could potentially be one player away just to, to get added depth into this roster to, to really, really continue to make some noise. But for what this group has done, you have to applaud them. Uh, but they're, they're really doing it with a lot of the same players, the core part of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, we've mentioned a lot of the stars, you know, we've talked about Jerissi, we've talked about Maxi Aruti, who I joked on, you know, earlier this week is basically Diego Rubio with a man bun. <laughs> um, you know, Alexander Ring, Jack Price, a yeah. lot of comparisons there. Most fans will know Brad Stuber, who had a breakout season last year. Give me, for a Rapids fan who maybe has caught some highlights of Austin last year, hasn't seen them in person since the, you know, the two home games for Colorado last season. Give me one player who maybe we haven't mentioned that's worth keeping an eye on. Ruben Gabrielson. So you, you talked about the comparisons between Austin players and Colorado Rapids players. He is your Danny Wilson. Okay. Team. He is your Danny Wilson. He is just that he's Norwegian. He's got that Nordic presence. No nonsense. When he's he's the nicest guy off the field, but he is there to work and he is there to deck someone, <laughs> and he <laughs> will deck someone <laughs> on Monday's game. It, it, there is no deck or be deck. He will deck someone. When in doubt, 
count how many times he levels someone on the ground. And it's going to actually be a good matchup between he and Zardes and he and Rubio. I know Rubio loves contact. He loves to mix it up. Um, but he's given Austin FC this physical edge that they didn't have last year. And that's no disrespect to Matt Beasler. Matt, Matt Beasler is more a finesse player. Gabrielson, he is physical. He can also play, but he is not afraid to mix it up. And if it calls for a street fight, he has no problem making a street fight. I, I think his introduction to this back line has become a calming influence. He, he, he allows them to say, hey, you know what? We may not be playing our best soccer, but we can grind results out. We don't get that result against Charlotte last night. Sure, Danny scores an amazing goal, a potential goal of the week candidate, but we don't get that result last night without Ruben playing the way he did. He put he was a man of the match performance for Austin FC last night in terms of clearances, tackles, blocks. These are things that add up. And I think Danny Wilson has done that during his time for the Rapids, especially last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. He he might be seeing the whites of Diego Rubio's eyes on Michael. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Michael, I think, you know, uh, fans that are tuned in will certainly remember you from your playing career. I do want to ask you about Robin and Chivas USA yeah. in a minute but i think you know there's a lot of fans who might just know you as the guy who came in with an expansion team on the media team and then predicted on mlssoccer.com's <laughs> big prediction that the rapids would miss the playoffs and rapids fans when there's few opportunities to brag about um you know yeah. exceeding expectations will bring that up what aspects of last year or what robin frazier's done you know have been the most the biggest surprise or you know the most um you know the the, the biggest thing for you that's led to them being successful um, I, I think the fact Robin is a big believer in talent here in the U.S. And that's something I've always respected about him. And if you look at the team that he assembled last season and the majority of those players are here, like as you said, there, there are a lot of players who are American or domestic based or have at least had experience in Major League Soccer. He's not going out to you know international countries and getting a ton of talent. He's going within the the pool of players in the league. And there's a familiarity that comes with being in Major League Soccer when you do that. And and also, most importantly for this Rapids team that, that did so well last year was players that had a point to prove and a chip on their shoulder. And I, I think of some of the losses from last year. Kellen Acosta to LAFC. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any coincidence with how well LAFC are doing. Yes, they have the attackers. But I think that was a big loss for the mm-hmm. Rapids. I, I was actually hoping he would stay because that midfield trio, P, Jack Price, and Mark Anthony Kay, uh, that, that's a difficult midfield to break down. Uh, they can do it on both sides of the ball. But, you know, with Robin, he's, he's a good human being, first and foremost, and he happens to be a heck of a coach. And he thinks his way. He has a, a philosophy about the game. And I, I like that he came into a Rapids team that was kind of playing a back three, sometimes back four, and he went with getting his best defenders on the field first mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, we're going to be a team that's really hard to break down, and it's goals by committee, and we're going to find ways to score. I, I think a player mm-hmm. who I was really surprised that they let him go, and I think it, it may have come down to making space for Zardes in that, you know, getting him from Columbus, was Shinashiki. I love mm-hmm. Shinashiki, and I hope Rapids fans do as well because uh, the Charlotte FC fans love Shinashiki because mm-hmm. of his production of what he's done. Thank God he didn't produce last night, but I, I think there, there's there's this period that, that's come for them of figuring out how do we actually play with a number nine who's trying to find form. You're yeah. not getting a Jassy Zardes who 
went from LA to Columbus who was in form and had a point to prove. How do we play and get a number nine confidence so he can get back to his best level? You know that that, that got him that big contract. Mm-hmm, absolutely, it's a it's a really good question, Michael. And uh, Robin Fraser, I assume, has paid more than both of us to come up with answers to those. Um, you were with Robin for his two years uh, at. Chivas USA. There are many aspects of that club that I'm sure made your and his time there unsuccessful. Yeah. But, you know, he's kind of, he's alluded to, he doesn't like to talk about it. It doesn't come up too much in the media interactions we have. But I sense that that was kind of a, that was a, a formative two years for him in terms of growing as a head coach. And I think there are a lot of lessons that he learned there that he took to New York Red Bulls, that he took to Toronto as an assistant and have ultimately paid off in his time at Colorado. What was he like as a manager with you? What are some of those failures that I think ultimately have made him better for Colorado? I think what was so great when I was with Robin and learning under Robin, I, I think one of, one of my favorite games I remember playing for Robin was actually in Colorado. We were, I think we won the game 3-1. And I, I may have been 2011, 2011. And I remember, I, oh gosh, I, I, it's kind of a semi-flex because I remember getting a sister two on the game. But I remember just how calm he was from day one. And the season went sideways as a few seasons did at Chibi's USA. But I remember his sense of calm that he was able to instill. And he's a motivator. He's a player's coach. He's a, his ability to, to really in, incite confidence in young players. And that's something he did for me. If I had the worst game uh, that I could ever imagine, he was still able to talk to me and just keep me level-headed and say, hey, Mistakes happen. Just don't do it again. Or mm-hmm. here's here's actually what you did. And if you extract that one problem and look at the larger body of work, you can correct that. He, he's a teacher. And I don't think it's by coincidence that this is a younger Rapids team than some of the Rapids teams we've seen in the last five, six years. And that that's Robin Frazier. He's good with young players. And that time at Chivas USA, he did bring in some young players and there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes, as I'm sure we all now know about Chivas. So we'll leave that for another podcast. But what, what, I, what I've always heard about Robin from that RSL team that won MLS Cup, um, they just said his passion for the game, his sense of calm, and also his ambition. Um, just like that quiet confidence that he has about himself, where you saw that when, when the, the, the team was in the mix and they just quietly worked their way up the table, beating some of the biggest teams in MLS. And it wasn't, there wasn't really wow factor in terms of getting, you know, five nil wins here. It was just industry and mm-hmm. just a team that was hard to play against. And, you know, I, I, I expect this Rapids team to come to life at some point in the season. It's, yeah, they, there's just too many players that are still back from that same group for, for the season to be a wash. I, they're still, there's still a good team in there. Mm-hmm. Last two questions for me, Michael. Um, you know, as a former player, you know, the 4th of July game is an institution here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rapids have played all but two years in their existence. They played actually on 4th of July. There was one weekend, I believe, where they played 4th of July weekend, but not actually on the 4th. And the only other time they haven't had a game this time of the year was 2020 when nobody was playing. And we've seen this fixture be important for, um, you know, for the Rapids, for other clubs as well as a former player who I'm sure you know played in and watched a number of these games how formative is this fixture date to the growth of the league it's massive you look at the the summer months of what other sports are doing around this time I I think baseball 
is the only other thing. Wimbledon, um, you know, RIP to Serena and her chances. Uh, lost that one. That was tough. But it's the summer is, is a unique opportunity for Major League Soccer and to be ambitious, to have games on the 4th of July. It's, it's really a family affair, and soccer is a family game in this country. Um, when I think about the Colorado Rapids, and I, I, I would love to see the stats, um, and hopefully I will do my homework for our broadcast to back this up. I think in the last couple of years, it's been this time of year, 4th of July games come at the midway, the halfway point of the season for most teams. And for the, the Colorado Rapids, it's these type of games, it's these types of potential results on hand that has kind of slingshotted them to a decent second half of the season mm-hmm. in the last two or three years. And, you know, I bias kind of hope it doesn't happen on Monday, but they're, they're, they have a, they have a good opportunity going up against the side, but they played Thursday and that's mm-hmm. a short turnaround to go from Charlotte Frost FC and then travel to altitude to play Colorado, who is very well rested for this match. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do a little bit of your homework now, right now for you, Michael. Last year was the, I believe it was the third best attended game of the season, the other two being Decision Day and the playoff mm. game on Thanksgiving. And it was a 1-1 draw against Seattle Sounders in which uh, the Seattle came out and was just extremely pragmatic in the game, bit of a smash and grab game. But, you know, Colorado came out thinking we outplayed the Seattle Sounders, who I believe were still undefeated at that yep. time. And I think that and one of the other results against Sporting Kansas City when Tim Milia stole a nil-nil draw, I think that built up a little bit of resiliency of this team can outplay very good teams. It's just a matter of getting those final results and everything. And we saw that later on, they got a big 2-1 victory against LA Galaxy that I think was proof for them. Those two results earlier, particularly 4th of July against Seattle, was proof we can outplay those teams. That's proof that we have the potential to beat them. And they go on and do that. They smack LAFC on decision day. And if if Don Baji puts that chance that he has in on a corner, maybe we're having a very different conversation about how the, the playoffs went for the Rapids. But go back and, and look at that and see how, you know, Diego Rubio and Jonathan Lewis at times were running circles around their old Don brothers. Um, you know, it, we'll we'll see whether or not that happens. Um, on, on that note, Michael, I'll ask you um, for, for prediction. We ask our guests all of this. We do not take them seriously. Uh, how do you think Monday ends? I think it's going to be a very difficult game for Austin FC. Yeah, I think Robin Frazier is going to have his Colorado team amped. I expect Colorado to come out and press um, like they did the last two times these teams have played each other in uh, Colorado. Gosh, I I think I could see a 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Austin FC is most likely going to be very pragmatic about this. Um, altitude is, is typically not the place you go to, to be expansive. And this Colorado team, they have speed, which is something that's troubled Austin FC um, at different points this season. Teams that have a lot of speed, Michael Barrios. But it really depends. Does Robin go back four or that back five? Um, no, Austin, they've started figuring out how to play against the back five, but uh, they've also struggled at times playing against the back five. And Colorado was one of the first teams that came to Q2 Stadium last year and played that back five system that they have now. They Robin tinkered with that, mm-hmm. and it was a starting point for them to go on a good run. So just just I think the, the struggle in front of goal right now is what makes me say 1-1.
Mm-hmm. No, I hear you on that. Uh, listeners, if you like what you heard, you can follow Michael on Twitter at Mike Lahoud, L-A-H-O-U-D on the last name. He's the color analyst for uh, Austin FC. And then also, to the extent that it still exists, maybe, depending on the news from yesterday, <laughs> uh, the ACC Network. So, um, you know, Michael, will have to wait and see if uh, the Demon Deacons are joining Clemson and FSU and the SEC to join the SEC Super Soccer, uh, the 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 sec super league i'll say but um, yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna ask you to comment on that um any last words or uh shall we get out of here michael no just thanks for having me on um you know i i i love that there's platforms like this i love what you're doing and you know shout out to ryan madden for making this happen <laughs> yep. always, uh, i always got to give our madden his love <laughs> and dues good guy i'm glad we have him on our side and um, you know glad to know that we all know good people but now nah, just looking forward to a good game and hey always willing to be on whenever you need me want me or don't so all right thank you all right uh, thanks for having us uh, listen, listen, listen.